Welcome to the DB&J Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Turnbuckle Jim. And this is Chair Shot Donnie. Fast Count Brian, how's it going? All right, to our dozens and potentially more dozens of viewers out there, welcome to the most nutritious wrestling commentary on YouTube and other podcast sites, too. All right, today we're going to be doing uh, first show we haven't done in a couple to, uh, couple weeks, actually. Uh, unfortunately, we, we missed the uh, under, uh, Ultimate Warrior uh, tribute. Uh, we might be doing a little bit of that later on. Um, I didn't prepare anything, but if anyone wants to say some words, then that's cool, because I, I think he was a big part of my early wrestling uh, fandom. Absolutely. No, no tribute should go longer than his best matches, so like 30 seconds maybe, I mean... Yeah, it takes him longer to get to the ring than the match actually lasts. But, yeah, my favorite match of his probably was Honky Tonk Man. When he just came out there and destroyed him, after Honky Tonk had been the champion for over a year and a half at that point, I think, that was wonderful. Hey, uh, Donnie, uh, if, if I may, I'm surprised, James. Uh, where's Halloween Havoc 98? Uh, <laughs> oh, man, we, we're not going to talk about the WCW uh, two months he was there, uh, cutting a big paycheck and ruining his legacy. Not yeah, a I mean, okay. one warrior nation? Oh, my uh, God. Another, another reason to give Beefcake a job. Um, <laughs> You'll be the but, disciple. And Horace Hogan. Oh, God. Oh, hey, man. to be fair, they did do right by him by tagging him with Sting for that one night. Yes. That was the only good thing they ever did with Warrior, and that was that was terrible. Uh, anyway, so we're going to do Raw from uh, 4-21-2014. Uh, um, then we're going to go on to our delayed review of what we kind of decided was the best WrestleMania, WrestleMania 19. Um, and actually, I think that definitely lights up. Uh, and then finally, we're going to be uh, uh, our top, what, top five managers, is that it? Yeah. All right, sounds good. So, starting off, uh, Raw from Monday night. It begins with a vicious beatdown of Daniel Bryan by Kane. Uh, giving him not once, not twice, but thrice uh, pile drivers. Um, I thought this was a pretty um, pretty good segment. Definitely built up uh, the Kane character again after he's been jobbed out repeatedly. Um, I guess my only like kind of like question mark about this is I didn't mention about Daniel Bryan's uh, father dying earlier that day, which has been you know, pretty crappy news. I mean, no matter who you are, um, so I, you know makes Bryan look weak. But then again, it kind of builds up their match, which has just been kind of forced upon us uh, these past couple weeks. Uh, Brian, what do you think of the mat of the segment? Uh, I mean, to be terribly honest, I'm not I'm not a fan. Of this. I feel like, and I, I'm, and I told you this off the show, but like I feel like they're just, you know, they they did all that work to Brian the towel, and they're like, well, who do we give them next? I mean, it's like no offense to the Shield, I know they're putting their focus on those guys, and they deserve it. I just worry that fans are going to lose interest in Brian by giving them a guy that. Basically jobbed out in what thirty, forty-five seconds at WrestleMania. I mean, he's been like a horrible, and he's forty plus forty-seven years old at this point, and still looking pretty good when he can wrestle a match. But yeah, I mean, definitely not a scary, scary guy like Gordon would be. If we're looking to you know scare up old gimmicks of his to just help him out, bring back Doctor Isaac Yankum for Christ's sakes, or or what Diesel? I mean. Like, fake Diesel, by the yeah, way. Yeah, fake Diesel, excuse me, sorry. It's a foregone conclusion Brian's going to win the match, no matter how many times you tombstone him on a steel step. So, yeah. to me, I could have gone without it, because he needs a legit opponent who's not been jobber to the stars. Donnie? Yeah, I agree. I thought the, uh, well, I cannot stand this feud. I, I think it's been done to death already. So why do we need it now? Like, 
you know, out of all the times, I mean, they've been tag team champions and they split up and they wrestled and wrestled. It just seems like this is not anything that we haven't seen before. So, um, you know, I know there's always a lull after WrestleMania. It's just sort of like, you know, it's it's like postpartum depression. Like we've been through, you know, we've, we've had our WrestleMania and now it's just kind of like a blah. So, you know, and we're treading water until SummerSlam season. I get that. Um, but I just don't like this feud at all. Kane belongs in the mid-card putting over guys, you know, at just in the main event he feels shoehorned, and Brian's right. Like, he's lost so much that it just doesn't have the momentum that it should. All right, well, moving on then. We go to our first match of the evening, which was uh, Bad News Barrett versus Sheamus. Uh, Bad News won and proceeded to um, uh, move up in the Intercontinental championship uh, contenders tournaments, which actually I think is a pretty cool idea. It definitely brings in uh, a lot more focus to the belt. Um, so, And they have really good guys competing, too, so the matches have been pretty entertaining. Um, I like this match. I like Bad News Barrett. I think he's defi- definitely a good reinvention of the character. Um, and Wade Barrett has really been kind of floating in the mid-card for a couple of years now and definitely needs to get more focused on him. Uh, Donnie, what do you think about the match? Yeah, this is a huge win for, for Barrett, not just in the Intercontinental the title tournament, but over Sheamus. Um, that's, uh, this, I like this match. I think this, the, the two styles gel really well. Uh, finally, there's somebody with the name of Bad News that uh, looks like they're going to actually do something. Um, you know, I shout out to Bad News Brown. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, overall, I, I liked it, and I love, let me just say, I love the Intercontinental. I like any tournament. Um, so I'm in, and it's uh, it's a good to see Barrett back in the ring doing what he does best. Yeah, definitely with you there with a uh, big fan of the tournaments. I think they should do more of them. I, I kind of miss King of the Ring. wish they would do that every year again. Definitely. Uh, um, uh, Brian, what you think? Uh, I, I honestly think that, you know, if I was Seth, uh, I'm sorry, forgive me, Dean Ambrose, I would just chunk the U.S. title in the trash. Like, I swear to you, like, he, he could walk out without the belt, and everyone forget the U.S. title even existed. Like, I know, off the thing, but, like, I'm glad they're doing something with the Intercontinental title. I'm glad they're doing stuff with Bad News Barrett. Like, but, it, I mean, forgive me, but is anybody else, like, really upset that they're pushing Sheamus down the card? Uh, I, mean, for me, I mean, for me personally, like, I thought he was boring when he had his face run as the champion for a while back, but, like, for he's got that credibility to, to put Barrett over, and, I mean, I'm happy about it, but... And, of course, he's going to beat RBD next week, but the question is, who's going, to, who's going to win? Does he have enough momentum to take down Big E? We don't know yet. All right, well, moving on. Uh, we have our next match of the evening, which is Los Matadores uh, with El Torito, which rhymes with Dorito. Uh, <coughs> this is 3MB, or now, I guess, a four, 3.5MB, uh, with Hornsicle joining them. Uh, honestly, I could care less about this stupid... Midget versus Midget feud, um, but it's this match was kind of entertaining, so I'm, I'm kind of digging it. I don't know. Uh, Los Matadores won uh, by pinning uh, Drew McIntyre. Um, actually, El Torito won pinning Drew McIntyre. That was kind of a crap finish. Um, Donnie, what are your thoughts on the match? Well, I, I mean, Hornswoggle is a heel. That's that's different. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I guess he's you know he's. He's a heel now, and we've got to accept that. Um, I, you know, this match was kind of like just filler to me. I, I've never really liked three and B. Um, I, it just, eh, you know, I, I don't really have a lot to say. It just kind of felt like this match was a kind of a waste. This is a match I expect to see on main event. Yeah, good point there, uh, Brian. 
Um, yeah, forgive me if you guys heard that cough. Um, here's the thing. I would rewrite this whole thing. I would give these guys a pay-per-view match, but here, ch just follow, follow on. So you have Los Matadores fight 3 and B, right? But what you do, midget on a pole match, and and basically I guess the winning team gets their midget down first, and then you have like a three-and-a-half-on-three handicap match. I know, it sounds ridiculous, but so does having all those guys in the ring at the same time. All I, all I really wish that would happen, you know, like John Laurinaitis returns long enough just to give all those guys a future endeavor, and then you just wash away the whole scene like it never happened. Mm. Well, we can always hope for Maybe an event, Maybe they'll go back to NXT, get repackaged, and then come back. Works for other people. All right, speaking of being repackaged, um, the next segment was The Shield facing off with Evolution. Um, with Evolution coming back, and all, I guess, uh, styling and profiling, uh, minus Ric Flair, though. Um, I thought the segment was pretty cool. Uh, definitely built up for a big feud. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing Evolution versus The Shield, and to be honest, this is probably the best thing you can do with Randy Orton and Batista at the moment. Um, Brian, what are your probably contradictory thoughts? Uh, I mean, I don't know how much time I got to go into that. I think, you know, I mean, Ric Flair himself said it best. Like, he did an interview one time where he said, you know, you can't go forward by moving backwards. And I'm just, while I, I like those guys being away from the like heavyweight championship scene, I don't think bringing Evolution back is the best idea because this isn't 2005. But that being said, Triple H has wrestled so infrequently, I want to say, if that's the right thing, so that him being in this match is going to do nothing but help put the shield over, which is great. But as far as the scene is concerned, yeah, I mean, I like that they were trying to rush Evolution, but can anybody take, like, Fandango standing on the stage with his arms crossed seriously like I'm scared of that guy? Like, just so many jobbers out there that I was just like, come on, man. Just, that, yeah, but the scene, I love the scene itself. I just, some of those guys I wish didn't, would not come out there. All right, Donnie, uh, what's your point? Yeah, um, you know, I, uh, I'm a sucker for uh, stable wars, so I'm cool with it. You know, I, I, I kind of marked out when the limousine pulled up. Uh, I will be off. I will be honest. Like I was kind of, you know, when Orton came out last, I was like, oh, here comes Flair, here comes Flair, but to no avail. Um, that said, I'm glad they're back. Uh, I think it's the perfect uh, begin to uh, the Shield's gang, and uh, I'm excited to watch uh, the Shield go over because I think that's what's going to happen here, and it's uh, well deserved. Yeah, definitely feels like this is just building up the Shield, which has been great. I'm kind of surprised to keep it around the lung, surprised to turn the face, surprised this whole feud's happening, but then again. Professional wrestling, it's best when it surprises you. Hey, and one quick thing. I know, and I know I said it before, but because like, we're all waiting for, like, the, you know, the shoe to drop, but this would be that time to turn Roman Reigns against the Shield, have him be the fourth guy, and have him be the guy that they mentor towards that future main event push. If you wanted to do it, this would be the time to do it. It would be a good time to do it. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll find out. Extreme rules on two Sundays, I guess. Is that, I don't know. But uh, where, where can I order this pay-per-view? I don't think you have to order it if you have the WWE Network. <laughs> Alright, sorry, go ahead. Alright, uh, so next up we have the Usos. Uh, recently, recently married Jay, or is that Jimmy Uso? Uh, versus Goldust and Cody Rhodes. Um, who, Goldust, who is already um, understand the, the terrors of uh, marrying into the press wrestling business, um, loses with Cody um, getting kicked in the chin, I don't know, this this match was okay to me. Uh, Donnie, what say you? Uh, Donnie? 
Yeah, sorry about that. <clears throat> I forgot to unmute here. Um, yeah, I, it looks like they're finally going with the uh, the Cody versus Goldust feud. It's it, to me, it's like two months too late. Um, it feels like th- their their big moment that could have happened to blow up into a feud has passed. So now it just kind of feels like, oh, well, we're finally getting it, but it, the heat's gone. Um, and uh, you know, good for the Usos, I suppose. I you know, it, this I agree with you. This was a forgettable match, and just kind of a crappy raw so far. So um, yeah, you know, it's a uh, it was, you know, blah. Yep. All right, uh, Brian. Uh, I feel like I, I kind of be saying the same thing for the Usos. They say for Daniel Bryan, but it's like they always go wishy-washy back and forth with the tag team scene. Like, yeah, Brian. Brad. I know what he's saying, though. Like, it's you know, they, they they're never sure what they want to do uh, with with the tag team division and whether they want to put a team over strong or several teams over strong or not. And right now, the Usos just seem to be the the, uh, the the team of the moment, but how long will that last, you know? Yeah, good point. He's always going with the hard team at the time. It looks like we're having some technical difficulties. Um, with, now, uh, here's, a, here's a question about the Usos. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get him back just as soon as we, as soon as we can. As soon as we can, folks. Oh, we yeah. have some problems for Skype. This is uh, live podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, sorry, yeah, like, issues, 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 I'm so sorry. Oh my goodness, we got Daniel Bryan back, I mean, uh, just Bryan. Finally! That's, that's gotta be Kane! Oh, slobber knocker, it's a slobber knocker. Oh, just to, I mean, just to, like, finish a stupid point real quick. Like, does anyone else see, like, this is sort of like the, uh, like, sneaky way of, like, pushing Cody Rhodes towards, like, you know, like a Money in the Bank or some kind of big push? Because I feel like like they recognize he's a good enough wrestler. He deserves to get a singles push, and like you know, Gold has served his time, but I feel like he's holding Cody back now. Yeah, uh, I definitely think so. Um, I think that if they separate, Cody would be the biggest recipient of that uh, that bonus there. Yep, so, matter of time. Yep. Anyway, uh, moving on, we have uh, Layla versus Emma. Um, we're gonna skip that. Um, I love you, Emma. Emma is good. Layla is not. They just hey, really need us. A quick question: Like, I, I'm not, I don't know why. If I miss it somehow, but like, where did the whole Summer Ray Layla exchange happen? Um, on Twitter. So you got a bomb on Twitter now or something? I don't know. I, I have no idea what's going on with Summer Ray. If that's like real life crap or like, I probably it's probably it's professional wrestling. So it's probably like fake crap. Um, but still, it's like doesn't make any sense. Anyway, we're, we're getting to stuff I really don't want to get into. So. I know, but it's sort of like going from a Cadillac to, like, a station wagon, you know. I'm just... Well, you know, you got to go with the uh, the one that has a few miles on it, you know, because you, you know it's, it's good value. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot out of that eyebrow. Wow. Anything about worn-down tread? I mean, anyways, anyways, moving on. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Um, so next up we have uh, the second Intercontinental uh, Tournament for the number one contender match, which is uh, Rob Van Dam did... Surprisingly enough, defeating Cesaro after Jack Swagger interferes and causes uh, Cesaro to have a countout. Um, I thought this was was good, but it wasn't great. Like there, there's two styles just never meshed with each other, so it wasn't it wasn't that as good as I hoped it would be. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts? Um, I completely agree. I know that. Um, see, they're doing the right thing here. They should take a note with RVD and use it for Kane because you got the established vet who clearly isn't going to get pushed for a title. And he's, he's doing the right thing. He's putting on good matches, and like he'll deliver every time in the ring, and he's going to put Bad News Barrett over so he goes to fight Big E. But, you know, 
I see. I think they have bigger plans for Cesaro. That's why they're having a feud with Swagger, and then see where it goes from there. Yeah, I think the Swagger feud is definitely uh, something that is going to be really good, especially the manager versus manager. Um, um, I don't know what they want to do with the managers, but it's definitely fun uh, with uh, Dutch or with uh, Zeb Coulter versus uh, uh, Paul Heyman. So, Donnie, what are your thoughts? I'm confused because Paul Heyman is is the manager of uh, Cesaro and Brock Lesnar. Right. So Paul Heyman's a heel, um, but Jack Swagger's a heel. So does that mean and, and Zeb Coulter's a heel and Cesaro? I guess he's. Is he supposed to be healed that the crowd loves? Like I don't, I don't understand what the heel face dynamic is on here. Yeah. Uh, surprise, surprised to see RVD get the win, but he's kind of an afterthought to everything that's happening right yeah. now. I think uh, Rob, Rob, RVD will definitely get uh, jobbed out to uh, Bad News next week. Mm-hmm. But we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Brian, what'd you think? Uh, I think it was great. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, speaking of okay, uh, is uh, Exana um, losing to Paige uh, versus the I don't know what the stupid um, name of the move is called. Um, Scorpion Crosslock. Scorpion Crosslock. That's actually like a badass name, um, and I actually like that move. And I really like Paige, and uh, she's only like 21, and she's like 12 years younger than me. But I'm not feeling creepy in any kind of way. Donnie, what do you think? I love you, you Paige. Right. You know, as far as like names <laughs> for her finisher, why not like Paige Turner or like you know the Bob Seger song "Turn the Page"? I'm just saying. Uh, I think you're fired, Brian. Oh man, I, I swear I could get a job in the creative meetings, but you probably could actually. Um, you know what? You were rehired because we, we can't lose you. Thank you, thank you, yeah. Vince Vince Russo was looking to take my job. Um, God. Yeah. Like half an hour of political commentary slash like religious commentary slash like why he's so awesome and saved WCW. Yeah, and Hulk Hogan's piece of crap. But anyway, oh, so anyway. so yeah. Um, I mean, just just I really got nothing except for the fact that like you know it's just good that Paige is getting time to show who she was because she kind of won the title like all of a sudden. Now people are like who the hell is she? Yeah, Th- this is the way to do it. So good it for definitely is. definitely good seeing her uh, out of there every single week and uh, performing and, and showing what she has. Unfortunately, I think they really have to, to build the divas uh, division from the ground up at this point. It's really weak. There's really not many good wrestlers at all in the Divas division. Um, so I'm hoping like Emma and Paige and maybe we'll see some good wrestling for a change. It's uh, interesting because I, I followed Emma and Paige through their NXT time and, and I can say uh, other than Natalia, they are they are leagues above every other Diva right now. Yeah, well that's what NXT's there for. So. And Paige is really I mean, she to me is the best Wrestler-wise, the best female wrestler that we've seen since Trish Stratus, and that is high company. Yeah. Um, so let's just watch and see what they let her do because she is awesome in the ring. I like to see that. Don't, don't you guys feel like they could have built up, built her up like slowly and had her like take down AJ when she had like a few more months under her belt to make make it more about how long she had the belt instead of just dropping it the night after WrestleMania? I don't know. I agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, we're not the creative guys. We just commented on their on their decisions. All right, so next up, speaking of NXT, we have Alexander Rusev defeating Sin Cara, um, which was actually better than I expected it to be. It wasn't a complete, like, uh, jobber match to uh, Rusev. Like, uh, Sin Cara actually had some moves on him, uh, but wasn't able to take him down. Um, so I thought it was all right. What would you think, uh, Brian? Uh, I'm just I'm just going to, like, sleep on this guy until he does something important, because I, 
honest to God, like, I don't see anything from this guy. And I could be totally wrong. But, like, like I said before, like, he just looks like a guy that could literally, like, just spontaneously combust right there. So I'm full of muscles. He's just going to blow up in the middle of the room. You know, uh, Donnie, Sorry. Donnie, what'd you think? Yeah, he's such... He, he's such an old gimmick. Um, Rusev is. It's like it feels like it's been done a thousand times by other people. Uh, Umaga. Right, right. Yeah. Sort of. Um, who's the Russian guys? Um, uh, Kozlov. Kozlov. a little yeah, bit. Kozlov, yeah. Right. Oh. Even back to like the Berserker. <laughs> you know, if you want to go back that far, it's just kind of like that. That has it's been done before, and, and it, yeah. you know, this time around, it's you know, it's more of the same. We'll we'll wait until see he runs into Cena in about six months, and then we never see him again. That's my that's my trajectory. You know what he needs? Like, a Vladimir Putin lookalike as his manager. That is hilarious. No, I think Lana's actually much better as <laughs> than Vladimir uh, Putin. Well, I mean, sure, I can't. He's fine. But I'm just talking about, like, you know, play it up. You know, why not have him get so hot that Hogan gets out of retirement and beats him at SummerSlam? Hoping for the past. Time travels, comes back, and defeats him. Brother. All right. Uh, so speaking of Super Cena, we have the entire Wyatt family... Pummeling on John Cena for what felt like three hours. Uh, I thought this was a good way to build up their feud. I think their feud has actually been really good so far. There's such different dichotomy. Um, but at, at the end of the day, how many times is John Cena going to get beat up all the way just to come back and, and be quiet if that even happens? Uh, Brian, what do you think? I mean, if it's a three-hour movie, I will pay to see it over and over again. But I mean, to tell you the truth, hey, I watched the backstage pass and they were talking about, they were trying to blame it, you know, because, like, I guess the fans got the vote on the match, so they voted that they wanted it three-on-one, so they were trying to say that, like, the fans voted because they want to see Cena get his butt kicked by all three guys, so what I'm thinking is they're going to start having Cena do the whole screw you fans, and this is going to go to his heel turn. This is what I, I, I this is where it has to go, otherwise it's just going to be the same old, same old, and we can't keep doing that. Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll have to see. Uh, Donnie, what you think? I have bad news for you, Brian. I don't know. I'll be Barrett right now. Exactly where you don't want it to go is exactly where it's going. Um, that's just my feeling. Um, it, this isn't going to end up with this isn't going to end up with uh, heel Cena. It's going to end up with Cena overcoming the odds, and then the Wyatt's going on to something else. Um, that's I mean, it's awesome. I, I love Bray Wyatt. He's he's making a name for himself in a huge way. Uh, but I'm just not buying that this is going to end in anything other than Cena standing tall and rising above hate, and then the you know the the heels go back to their lair. So that's you know it, it was a good ending. I think of all the different storylines going on, if you're going to get Brian Kane out of the way first, this is a good way to end. Um, and and that's you know that's about I can say. It was very long. I think James and yeah. yeah. It was it was too damn long. It was just Cena getting beaten up, but. Actually, the way I would like to see it finish is kind of both of you guys uh, take. Um, so Cena um, loses but also becomes heel in the process. Wyatt goes on to challenge Brian for the belt. I think that would be really cool. See, uh, let me pitch a quick idea. How about Cena goes heel, like joins the authority, becomes the face of the WWE like he is already, and his heel Cena fights the face Brian in a, in a role reversal. Well, we'll have to see what happens. Coming next week. Uh, on Monday Night Raw. And then, of course, we'll read some spoilers to about SmackDown. We'll watch that, too. 
Brian. I don't really watch it. Brian. Yeah, sorry. Do you watch it? Yeah. Uh, every like every so often, but not really. Johnny. Well, the last time I watched SmackDown, The Rock was on it. Wow. All right. So next up, our favorite WrestleMania of all time. Oh, are we going to give our raw ratings though? Oh, our raw ratings. Yeah, sure. Um, so moving back, uh, raw rating. I give this uh, B minus. It had nothing that really stood out, but it had a lot of building blocks to the feud. So I kind of I liked it, but I think it wasn't that great. Uh, Brian. Letter grade? Uh, B minus, B, just B. I got nothing. This is blah. B for blah. All right. Donnie? C minus. Didn't like it. It barely held my attention most of the night. Wow. That's, so. that's saying a lot, too. Yeah, it just wasn't, it didn't do anything for me. All right. So let's start this again. Uh, WrestleMania 19, which we determined was the greatest WrestleMania of all time based on our brackets the last episode. Go back and listen to that. It was phenomenal. Um... So, uh, what do you guys think of uh, rewatching WrestleMania 19, Brian? Uh, I mean, it was actually it was actually as good as I thought it was. Do I, do I think it was the best? I mean, we we thought that with the brackets, but yeah, it's I think it stands up really well, actually. Yeah, Donnie, what you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's I don't see how it couldn't. I mean, you can make arguments, I guess, for for several other WrestleManias, but this one was really hard to beat. I mean, it's if it's not your favorite, it's got to be in anybody's top five. It was that good, like it, or top three even. All right, yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's kind of hard to say exactly which one was the best WrestleMania, uh, but I think of a combination of all the different uh, uh, factors in place, and especially the matches themselves, made it really, really great. Um, so let's start out. The first match was Matt Hardy, champion, uh, uh, cruiserweight champion, where Shannon Moore defeated Rey Mysterio. Um, I thought it was good back and forth opening match. Uh, Matt Hardy, um, uh, definitely the, the heel with uh, Matt Hardy version 1.0, uh, where he comes with like the crappy internet stream uh, from like the early 2000s. I thought that was really awesome back in the day. Um, I just love Matt Facts. So um, good start to the show. What you think, uh, Donnie? Yeah, I mean, it, it, remember how big Matt Hardy was on MySpace? Like that guy was all over the place. Um, I, I liked it. You know. It's weird because we're, I'm used to so many high-profile matches being the first, like the opening to WrestleMania. Yeah. And this really wasn't. However, it was a solid, solid match between two really good mid-carders. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it kind of got me into it. It's like, all right, that's, that's not so bad. We'll, we'll keep going. And uh, so I think it, Rey Mysterio, too, by the way. Oh, wow, was it? Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, that's, that's even better. So, yeah, I think uh, it, was, it was a good match. Ryan, what do you think of Rey Mysterio's uh, Daredevil costume? I, I thought it was good. I'm glad he didn't do Spider-Man. Um, but, but to tell you the truth, anybody could be Spider-Man now, right? Anyways, anyways. So um, I, I agree with you, James. I love the the V1 uh, the gimmick, but him being a cruiserweight is kind of a joke in itself. Because if you ever get a chance, you should look up on like Google's like Matt Hardy versus Weight Watchers. <laughs> it is fantastic. Like it just shows him being like gaining so much weight and just being out of shape, but. Um, as far as the match is concerned, like, I mean, I'm considering that it, it's set up to where Mysterio won the Cruiserweight belt in his hometown, like, like, like a SmackDown a month or two later. Like, it was good. Like, Matt Hardy's gimmick was over, and it was just a really good way to start off the show. Like, I had no issues with it. All right, so uh, next up we have The Undertaker, uh, minus his tag team partner, Nathan uh, Jones, defeated The Big Show and The A-Train. Uh, and what I, th- I thought was 
was was okay. It's probably the weakest match of the night, to be honest, uh, because these are these guys were really big. When you have big men together, a lot of times it's just not that good. Um, so for what it was, I thought it was decent, but not special. Uh, Brian, your thoughts? See, I, I put this up there with the Giant Gonzalez match as being like probably one of the worst ones for the sh- like as far as the streaks concerned. Because yeah. like, I mean, no offense to Big Show and A Train, but they're just giant stiffs to me. And to put Undertaker in there and. And the more I look back at it, the more I think that he, like he Undertaker, would, wasn't going to tag with Nathan Jones, like from the get go. Like you're not going to have his streak be on the line in a tag team match. Yeah. So I mean, it just seemed like let's just get him out of the way. He'll fight these guys two on one. Nathan Jones will make the save. He'll win the match. Streak continues. We move on. But here's the most upsetting thing of all: the fact that they had Limp Biscuit out there single men, and did they not say that they? He was WWE's favorite band in the whole wide world. Like, oh, wow. come on, you're, you're killing me, guy. You're just killing me. Yeah, and the fact that there, this, the theme song was called, uh, was it Crack Addict? Oh, uh, right? yeah, for the, for WrestleMania, but yeah. he came out rolling, I think. Oh, yeah, rolling. Yeah, man, those, those were definitely different times back then. I definitely admit that. Um, so, yeah, Limp Bizkit, wow, that really dates this, doesn't it? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely probably the weakest Undertaker streak match of all time, uh, besides Giant Gonzalez. So, it was decent, but not great. All right, so the next step we have the Divas match of Trish Stratus. Uh, defeated Victoria and Jazz in a three-way match. Giggity. Um, I thought this was pretty good. Pretty good use of the Divas. Um, this is actually Divas wrestling was, was pretty good. Uh, or women's wrestling uh, at that point. Um, so, what would you think about it, Brian? I don't... I mean, I'm a fan of I completely forgot that... Uh that Jazz was even around, right? Yeah, I mean, you kind of forget about her run, too. She was, like, for the, for the last WrestleMania, too. The only thing I remember her for is being Miss Rodney Mack, which I don't know if that's a, you know, a random reference of the day, but... Oh, God. Okay. You know, like, the, the, the white boy challenge, but anyways. um, So, yeah, I thought the match was good. Like, it got Trish over. Like, Victoria had the crazy psycho game before Mickey James ever picked it up. And, you know, was Stevie Richards was out there. I mean, sure, he... You know, he took a couple, the, what, the, the Trish Bulldog? Yeah, that was cool. But, yeah, I mean, good for him to help out with that, but it was just good seeing Trish get over like that. Donnie? Yeah, um, you know, I love the, I love Victoria. I think she's probably one of the most underrated uh, women's wrestlers of all time as far as, you know, her, her place in history. Uh, and I think this match kind of showed uh, what she was capable of doing. Not really a fan of jazz, and, and Trish is, is, she's the best. Uh, so I think it ended up with uh, with a really, really fun match to watch. Uh, and, and as far as Divas' best remaining matches going, it's really one of the best ones. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think it was pretty good. Uh, next up, another championship match is Team Angle, which is Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas, uh, defeated Los Guerreros, Eddie Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero, and the team of Chris Benoit and Rhino. Um, I love this match. I thought it was great. Um, I think this uh, Los Guerreros and Team Angle were two of the best tag teams of the era. Um, and everybody pretty much got a good moment to get their, uh, their spot in. So um, I, I, I had no complaints with it. Definitely an excellent uh, tag team match. What did you think, Donnie? Um, yeah, it was Rhino was weird. I, I totally forgot him and Chris Benoit were a tag team, so that kind of came up out of nowhere. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember, I remember <laughs> him. Yeah, gore, gore. Uh, it, it was pretty good. You know, it, it was a it was pretty nonstop. Like as soon as that match sto- started, like there weren't a lot of rest holds or anything. They they really kind of kept the pace up, and that 
is a testament to all these guys' styles. I mean, it, when you'll, there's so much athleticism between these guys um, that uh, it's it really showed through. I, I really like this match. It's hard to do a triple threat match. It's hard to do a tag team triple threat match. Uh, but WrestleMania is when people step up, and this is definitely when guys stepped up, uh, especially these guys. Team Angle was amazing, and, and they, they cut it short, and both of these guys should still be in the WWE, but they're not, and um, that's a tragedy, but it's a good match. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, honestly, we're looking at the first post-brand extension WrestleMania, but they already split the tag team titles at this point, right? I mean... Um. I don't think so. I think this was uh, before they split them up. I'm thinking, but that could be wrong. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. no. Yeah, they did because they had a whole tournament for Survivor Series. But um, to tell you the truth, like, I absolutely like the match, and it's good to see Rhino again because, you know, after, you know, I'm biased towards Edge and his spear, and, like, I mean, Goldberg's was, you know, really freaking awesome. But, like, the gore, you just can't say I love the gore. So, you know, kudos to, I just love seeing Rhino get out there because I don't think he was, utilized properly, but everybody everybody in the match did fantastic. I love the whole thing. Definitely really good. Um, Alright, so speaking of going from good to great, we have Shawn Michaels in his first WrestleMania since WrestleMania 14 um, defeating Chris Jericho, and I thought was probably easily one of the best matches of both men's careers. Uh, really good back and forth, trying to pin each other. Eventually Shawn Michaels gets him uh, for the three count, goes to shake his hand. Chris Jericho kicks him in the junk. Good times. Uh, Brian, what do you think of the match? Uh, but before the match, like one of the things that killed me is like you know gimmicks as far as like the the entrances are concerned, and the whole Shawn Michaels failed like failed with the guns, the confetti guns or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, because they, they did that before. I'm like, it just takes away. Just walk to the ring and strut yourself when you get in there. Well, um, you gotta make it special. Well, I mean, he could just. Keep praying all the way down. I don't. Doesn't matter. I mean, just but for me, I love the match. Like Jericho needed that because after he lost the title, it just seemed like he was just drifting along. And you know, he had a good tag team title run with Christian. But honestly, like this match, like solidified that Jericho was belong there, and he was a really good wrestler, and he was the perfect guy to relaunch HBK's WrestleMania career post the back injury. So, like, beginning to end. You can't get bored by the match. Nope, definitely not. Uh, Donnie? Yeah, um, this is actually when I was thinking about it historically, you know, since WrestleMania 14 and then such a break to come back. I think this is actually the match that that, that made Shawn Michaels, uh, the Mr. WrestleMania moniker, starting, I think, right here. Not to say that his earlier matches weren't great, but everything from here on out was stellar. And this is uh, this is just a special match between two really good guys. I love the end. I love that drama of, of Jericho turning on Shawn Michaels, the you know a two Jericho, um, you know as 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 the the great turn happens. Uh, I just it was great and uh, just a joy to watch. It, it's it really was strange to be in the mid card. Um, its place was weird, but uh, I think this is one of those that was way better than anybody thought it was going to be. Uh, it's a plus match, in my opinion. Well, it's also the longest match of the night, too, at 22 minutes and 34 seconds. So, man, yeah, they give them enough time to, to develop a great match. All right, moving on uh, to Triple H uh, defeating Booker T for the World Heavyweight Championship. I think this this would have been so much better if they did not have commentary. Um, did you guys? Were you guys listening with, of course, with the commentary on and everything? 
<laughs> you talking about the part where they said, you know, Booker T was in prison oh, and all that God. jazz? Yeah, the, the whole thing that they made that, like, pretty much, like, his gimmick, that he was in prison, but he's overcoming it. Oh, my goodness. Like, this, like especially the king, it was so racist uh, during his commentary. It's, it's just like, I mean, he said stuff like uh, he was born on a pool table. Uh, his, like, family photos are, like, a pr- uh, police lineup. Um, I mean, obviously, like, you know, oh, he's a criminal, so this is what criminals do. But also, it did, felt really racist. And that took away so much from the match, too. Because I thought these guys did phenomenal. Both Triple H and Booker T looked great. Um, and, unfortunately, I think this burying Booker T at this point uh, probably put his career back by a couple of years. Um, but, overall, I think it was pretty pretty good, except for goddamn freaking Jerry Lawler. Uh, Brian, what you think? That's actually a really good point. Like, if you, if you go look it up, if you ever feel like it, like, there's, like, videos and stories and God knows what else is written or, or said about this particular match because, like, the, the setup for it where, like, Flair and um, basically Triple H made a joke of him being WCW champ saying that, like, you know, he could be their dry, their uh, limousine driver, like, their uh, dry cleaner, just like their, their pool boy. It's basically just, like, a bunch of racist stuff. And the whole jail thing, like... It, to me, like, I didn't care for the match because they made Booker T look so bad that there was no way he that Triple H could lose to him. And by Triple H getting beat up as much as he did, it made him look weak because he kept putting Booker T down. Like, I just didn't care for that whole thing whatsoever. Yeah, well, I think that whole year had a lot of uncomfortable uh, Triple H moments. Between that and, uh, oh, goodness, what was that? The Kane... K- Katie Vick. Oh, Katie Vick, yeah. Katie Vick, oh, my goodness. That was, yeah, Triple H has probably hurt the business more than anybody realize, but anyway, Donnie, what you think? Yeah, I, I didn't like Triple H during this period in his career. It just kind of felt like it was just, I don't know, I, it seemed like a lot of people loved him at this, you know, but uh, this was before he was the game, before he was the, the king of kings, and that really is, I think, where he hit his stride for me personally. Uh, so this time period was kind of like, eh, you know, he was good, and, and you know, I liked Booker, you know, but uh, you're right, it was like, incredibly, like, offensive. I thought it was kind of funny, actually. Uh, but uh, I laugh at that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's uh, it was okay. It was not... I think it suffered from a hangover, uh, still from the uh, Jericho-Shawn uh, Michaels match. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it was at least better than the four-way pillow fight. Uh, oh, God. We're, we're, we're not going to talk about that, because that was... <laughs> the coach was a very lucky man. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, really. Um, that was probably one of the trashiest moments in WWE history. Just saying is all. Mm. More uh, than when the, the cat took her top off the Survivor Series, but. Hey. Wow, wow, that was, that was pretty much more like, oh crap, she's actually going to show like nudity. Oh. oh my goodness, that was that was a bit too much. Um, anyway, moving on uh, to our next match, which wasn't pretty, but it was damn entertaining. Hulk Hogan beating on Mr. McMahon uh, in a street fight, which I thought was incredibly bloody. Um, Ugliest match I've ever seen in a WrestleMania, pretty much, but it was a beautiful ugly to it, if that makes sense. Donnie, what'd you think of the match? Yeah, this was a feud that was, like, in the making for 30 years or so. I mean, it was, it was, it was so... 20 years in the making! Yeah, yeah, I mean, really, but it, but it was, and it was so awesome. The fact that they made it a street fight, and it was just so violent, and Roddy Piper shows up to be the classic Roddy Piper of old... Um, I just, I loved it. I, I thought, you're right, it was a brawl, it was ugly, but it was beautifully ugly. I think that's the best way you could possibly put it. And I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, yeah, definitely was fun. You know, Hogan, for all of his, uh, you know, limitations, really delivered, and so did Vince. 
Uh, and, and for these two to say that, oh, man, Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan had a great match at WrestleMania 19, you'd think you were crazy. Uh, but they pulled it off really well this time. Yeah. Uh, Brian? Hey, I, I mean, I'm not trying to do the stupid math here. You take 20 years in the making for WrestleMania 19 and the whole gimmicks behind who built WrestleMania. Maybe have wanted to save it a year, but point is, I love that match. It was phenomenal. I mean, Vince doing, uh, was it a leg drop off the ladder onto, like, the Spanish announce table? Yes. Like, you can't beat, like, 50-year-old guys, 50-plus-year-old guys doing moves like that to each other. Like, and Piper coming in, like, the whole place just, like, popped. Like, it was nuts. Like, they, they lost it for him. And it was great. My only downside was, like, you're so happy to see Hogan get that win. And then he freaking gets fired on SmackDown the next couple of days, and he comes Mr. America. So I'm like, you know, we could have gone without that part. But for this, fantastic. I'd watch it over again. Definitely. Um, it's kind of hard to remember that Hulk Hogan came back as a regular uh, performer for uh, SmackDown <laughs> uh, after being gone for the company for so many years. That's kind of, It was kind of surreal at that point, too. It felt very surreal. Um, next up, we have The Rock finally defeating Stone Cold Steve Austin after giving him three rock bottoms. Uh, and actually, Stone Cold's last WrestleMania match, uh, kind of sad. Um, but uh, it did feel kind of like the end of an era with that match. Um, I thought it was good, but it wasn't great. I think because of the injury, uh, Stone Cold can only do so much. Uh, Brian, what you think? Yeah, I mean, I, if you read Austin's book, like he was in the hospital like the night before WrestleMania, so they were pretty freaked out that that match was even going to happen so the fact that it, they pulled it off as well as they did was fantastic and you know the rock had to go over like I mean, you, you didn't really know how long his whole hollywood heel gimmick was going to last but i loved every second of it like you know just talking crap to the fans you know like like making fun of hogan talking about what you're going to rock a jabroni or something like that like his his heel gimmick like then the rock concerts he did on raw Phenomenal! Like his heel gimmick was so good, and he actually got people to hate him. Yeah, I, I, as, I do miss the Rock as being the, the, the heel company. Yeah, like like when he tried to be like corporation heel, they were still cheering him. Like, and you knew that wasn't going to last. But when he was Hollywood heel, he meant it. Like he thought he thought the fans deserted him, and that you know he's like screw you guys. But phenomenal match, I loved it. Austin put on a heck of an effort being his last match ever in the ring, if I'm not mistaken. And it, and it put Rock over to Jobby Goldberg the very next month. So it was perfect. Uh, Donnie? Yeah. <clears throat> Great match. Um, made me miss Stone Cold. Uh, I thought The Rock was pretty good, but, you know, it was really just, for me, like a walk down memory lane of, of this feud. Uh, everything that it meant to wrestling at the time, uh, and just sort of the end of, of a huge era. I mean, Austin 316 was amazing, and this was sort of the end of it, so that was sad. Yeah. Uh, but the match itself was, I thought, fantastic. Not either of their best matches of all time, and probably not even their best match against each other. However, uh, it, it was still very, very good and uh, quite nostalgic for these days. Definitely. I mean, those guys were, were essentially the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not the leaders of the Attitude Era. Um, and, yeah, I've seen these two guys, like, been, I know The Rock, like, kind of was... In, Intermittent. He did all the movies afterwards. Pretty much quit by after the last WrestleMania. Came back. Been abandoned uh, twice. But uh, still, I mean, in terms of like him being a regular performer, that was pretty much his last days too. So, yeah, kind of sad. Um, but you know, bittersweet. The Rock finally beats Stone Cold. So, 
I'm happy about that part. Okay, so our last match is uh, Brock Lesnar uh, defeating the champion uh, Kurt Angle for the WWE Championship. Um, when I thought it was a phenomenal match. Those guys were outstanding, honestly. I think that Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar were the two best prodigies of wrestling we've ever seen. Um, I mean, Brock Lesnar goes to be a champion within this first year. Kurt Angle does it, I think, also within his first year, too. He also uh, won the belt. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I believe so, yes. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, both these guys were phenomenal. Brock Lesnar was probably not as good on the mic as Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle wasn't as, as big as Brock Lesnar is physically. Um, but this match was, I thought it was phenomenal. They started out with Matt Wrestling, um, and then they just go into, like, all these different uh, holds and uh, suplexes. And it actually, like, to some degree, looked pretty real. Uh, Brian, what do you think about the main event? I mean, I liked it. I would have preferred a longer build-up than what they had. I mean, you knew those guys were going to wrestle. Um, I mean, right after Big Show gave Kurt Angle the belt. But to tell you the truth, um, I liked it. I really did. And the whole botched uh, moonsault where Lesnar knocked himself out. Yeah, that sucked. Okay. The ending was terrible. But for the most part, it was good. If he actually hit that yeah. moonsault, it would have been awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is like, I kind of felt like they're like you had Rock Austin, you had Hogan McMahon, you had Michaels Jericho, you had three solid matches that could have ended WrestleMania. I felt like the Angle Lesnar match didn't really live up to like what a main event should be as far as what I what I thought. Right. Well, I think they had not been around in the company as long as like those other guys have, so that's probably why it doesn't feel like a, like a complete main event. Um, so I, yeah, I can see your point there. Donnie? Um, I just I. I think this goes down as one of my favorite uh, uh, WrestleMania main events. Uh, it, it was really, really good. And I think it's because of that amateur background both of them had. And both of these guys are, are, are legitimate tough guys, so they're not afraid to work stiff. And that kind of brought a uh, sort of like a, 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 an Asian flair to it, if, if you're familiar <laughs> with like, the, the Japanese style of wrestling. Like it, but it, it was very similar. Like It was very, very hard-hitting. We say it's uh, stiff? No, I didn't go that far. That, I was it wasn't like mean, <laughs> but, um, but uh, but I did I did enjoy this match. Even the shooting star press, like I I still watch that over and over because how did they not break his neck? Holy yeah, cow! Um, and uh, you know it's uh, it was a good match to end the night. I, you know we've had so many WrestleManias that we've reviewed where the last match has been such a downer that I actually thought this one was pretty good. Yeah. So overall, I give this WrestleMania an A plus. Definitely, this is the, you know, if not the best WrestleMania, at least in the top three. Donnie. Yep, A plus without a doubt. Brian. Yeah, what the hell, A plus. I'm straight. All right. <laughs> so, America. Is it the best WrestleMania? Um, definitely contention for that. Um, I would, I would argue it would be. Um, but maybe there's been other like better matches in other WrestleManias. Maybe other WrestleManias have had this overall better feel to it. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was definitely a really good WrestleMania and had an excellent. Brian, keep in mind it's the last it's the uh, last WrestleMania pre John Cena, so enjoy it. <laughs> a plus, a plus. There was no edge because he had the neck injury, which yeah. you know that would have made it a triple plus. But to tell you the truth, I love that WrestleMania. Yeah, it was it was definitely very good. So, um, and man, that whole company was so talented at that time. They had so much good workers. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that there's probably better 
other WrestleManias have had better singular moments, but as far as quality of show start to finish, I just don't think this one can be beat. Yeah. Well said, Donnie, well said. So we're going to leave it at that for WrestleMania 19, the greatest WrestleMania ever. Um, See, so that's why they said that Limp Bizkit was their favorite band, because it was the best WrestleMania ever. They had their best band ever. They performed twice. Brian? Todd Dursh, we miss you. Shut up, Brian. <laughs> Shut up, Ryan. <laughs> Only down point. That and the uh, and the pillow fight were yeah, just kind of. Those yeah. were the two lowlights of the uh, of this era because it was so like, man, crack addict really, really. I, I apologize. I think um, I think my check's in the mail from Fred Durst. <laughs> Is this money to give out now? Like five dollars, maybe. Who knows? That's about as much as you can make. Anyway, uh, so we go on to our top five list of the night. Um, Donnie, this was your top five list, I believe. Yeah. Top five managers. Uh, uh-huh. uh, who wants to start? Uh, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, you know, I uh, I looked at it as, as oddly enough. I tried to go through WCW, WWE, uh, all eras, uh, even world class, and all that, and I came back to the same five people, and most of them all are centered around the WWF, WWE. So go figure. Um, I think that's what that territory and later national company, worldwide company. Uh, really contributed was the art of the manager. Yeah. Um, so number five on my list is a, a Hall of Famer, um, and has uh, he managed some of my one one of my favorite tag teams and some of my favorite wrestlers of all time. That's Mr. Fuji. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Fuji managed Demolition. Yeah. He, he managed Yokozuna. He managed Owen Hart and Davy Boy Smith. The, the Orient Express, Crush. Uh, I mean, there's the, the list is pretty long. Uh, and he lasted forever. He was always there. So I, he was he was good. I liked him. Did you mention Powers of Pain? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was Bo- uh, Barbarian Warlord, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that Master, was, Master Fuji. Yeah, Master Fuji. Well, I'm kind of surprised that you put Master Fuji uh, number five when you should be Mr. Fuji number one. <laughs> but all right. Well, then, um, so I had. Um, I'm gonna go. I'll just go next. Um, there you go. Why not? I can. Only stay <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with my number five is actually uh, from ECW, Bill Alfonso. Oh, oh my God! The guy was a beanpole. He was terrible on the mic. He had bad teeth. But damn it, I just love that guy. He managed both Sabu and uh, uh, Rob Van Dam, and he was just a good cheerleader for both of them. Got them to work together. Um, and and Rob Van Dam, I got secretly a big fan of his, especially from the ECW days when they had that big run as a tag as a television champion. And tag team champions, thumbs up. Definitely good stuff. And if anything, he had emotion and energy behind what he did. So i got to give him that. I wanted him to swallow that whistle. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, hey, did you guys remember? Like, he was actually a referee in WWF, like, years before he that. He was. He uh-huh. was. Yeah. I forget about that. Oh, and did you, get, did you guys see, like, Paul Heyman said it was, like, one of his top five best moments in ECW when he fought uh, Beulah and they got bloody and started beating each other up. That was great. I, again, they had lots of emotion behind it, so. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, I always try to go away from mainstream for whatever reason, but, like, my number five, like, I wanted to go with a guy that, like, just was hilarious. Like, dude made me laugh, and and he's the only manager that I've ever seen that has a victory over Hulk Hogan, and that's the genius. Cannot forget that guy because every time he came out, like they booed him. You just wanted to choke the guy so bad because he he read off some god awful poem that he had, and you're just like, I, I just res- I just love that guy. And yes, I know he's Savage's brother, and pretty much the only reason Savage isn't in the Hall of Fame now because he told everybody that Randy's last wish is that they all went in together. 
and give me a break. But like every time he came out, I mean, I know he he managed Mr. Perfect, and then I mean, but he also had a match at Royal Rumble where he got his head uh, haircut by Beefcake. He also managed the Beverly Brothers. Let's not forget that awesome tag team. But yeah. I mean, the point is, like, I I love that guy. I thought he was fantastic. I couldn't get enough of the genius. All right, well, Donnie. Awesome. Well, coming in at number four, uh, maybe higher on some of this. This is one that I particularly, I mean, I, I had put him on my list because he absolutely belongs there, but too much of a good thing can be really bad. That's Jimmy Hart. Um, I Just looking at the list of the people that he has managed over the years is impressive. Like, it's an all-star team. Uh, everybody from Hogan to Sting to Lex Luger to, to everybody. I mean, if, if you're anybody in wrestling at one point or another, uh, Jimmy Hart has represented you. Even the Hart Foundation, remember, he started us there. As a heel or as a face, man, he was so effective. I thought he was more effective as a heel because he's so hateable with that shrill oh, voice and stupid right. megaphone and his, his you know, garb. Uh, but... He he was instrumental of his uh, in his time. Like he was the second banana to the number one manager of all time, which we'll get to. But he was he was a huge character. Uh, and let's not forget uh, his contributions went more than managing. He was also big into uh, the theme music, and he wrote a lot of people's theme music as well. So that's true. Any member of the uh, the Gentries from the nineteen sixties? Oh yeah, keep on dancing. Yep. Stat of the night. Very nice. <laughs> um, so my number four was uh, Miss Elizabeth. Mm. Uh, it was either her or Sensational Sherry, and I decided to go with her because um, she didn't say much, but when she did, it was uh, well, well said and uh, definitely looked great uh, throughout the entire 80s and 90s. And uh, um, I thought she, I mean, honestly, like her and the Macho Man, really, a Macho Man would not have been over without her, um, and uh, she would not have been, of course, noticed if it wasn't for the Macho Man either. Uh, whether Macho Man was a face uh, and uh, she was his you know, love interest, uh, or heel and his love interest in peril by the Macho Man. Um, I thought it was uh, she. She definitely brought a lot of class to uh, to be a manager. And she only like I think managed uh, Hogan and um, and Macho Man and uh, just phenomenal. Man, yeah. See, I I would have gone with her, but I I I had a hard time fighting between the whole manager versus like valet kind of. She was a manager, not a valet, and then became a valet later. Uh, well, I mean, to go on with what you said a minute ago, I went with Sherry because of the whole, I thought she was more of a manager than Elizabeth because, I mean, you look at her lineup, yeah, she had what, uh, DiBiase, Savage, like, Shawn Michaels, like, Harlem Heat, Ric Flair, like, that that itself is a fantastic lineup. Like, she could get, she actually had the, the first uh, mixed tag team match at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 6. You know, she could, like, beat the crap out of any guy. She was tough as nails, and she was that manager. Like, her shriek, I hated it, but, like, she's that person you love to hate. Like, I could not get enough of seeing Sherry come out there because she, she built up and helped every guy that she was with, no matter what. Definitely. That's true. Yeah, definitely, yeah. All right, well, well, well said. Well yeah. said. Uh, Donnie? So my number three is we start, uh, you know, we, we keep on our road to the best managers of all time. Uh, number three is somebody that I actually, uh, one of the very first managers that I remember seeing live, <clears throat> and uh, it, it's, uh, you know, I was a WCW guy in the, in the early 90s, um, you know, I kind of had left WWF and got into WCW, and, and one of the people that brought me into that was Paul Heyman, uh, or Paul E. Dangerously at the time, and he carried a massive phone, 
uh, and he had the Dangerous Alliance, which is amazing, great stable, one of the best stables of all time, and actually a predecessor to the NWO. Fast forward all the way to today, and he's still relevant. Um, he was fantastic. He's fantastic, and and you know nobody works a mic like Paul Heyman does. Uh, ECW aside, because he really wasn't a manager there. No, he was the uh, authority figure there. Right, uh, but anytime he manages a talent, uh, automatically by association, that talent becomes a good deal, a uh, big deal. Yeah. Okay. Well, then uh, my number three was actually um, Donnie's number four, Jimmy Hart, um, for all the reasons why he uh, Donnie gave us and. Um, I think it'd be higher in the card if he wasn't, you know, had managed so many guys and like really never like managed the guy as like world champion. And I'm not counting his whole Hulk Hogan thing because that doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, he definitely was was obnoxious and uh, good uh, playing up the heel manager with the mic- megaphone. Remember how many guys that got hit by the in the head with that thing? Um, so yeah, definitely uh, one of my favorite managers of all time. Yeah, I never understood why Hogan necessitated a manager. <laughs> you know, yeah, of all the that, people, make, like, that made no sense. But I mean, I guess when he um, wasn't at WrestleMania nine when he got attacked by um, uh, Money Inc. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And they, they kind of like adopted him as like the pity manager or something like that, and they kept him right. in WCW. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I hate to say that I know the story, but like, like he was he was managing Money Incorporated at the time, and they like sort of like took his megaphone and started beating the crap out of Beefcake's like messed up face already. Yeah. So Jimmy Hart was like, I'm so sorry, I want to join up Hogan, take me. He's like, okay. <laughs> there yeah, he, and he was one of those friends of Hogan that just everywhere Hogan went, you know, he was sure to go. Yeah, well, if anything, if you were a wrestler in the mid, uh, early 90s, like, latch onto Hogan like a leech, because that guy will get you a money ticket somewhere. Yeah. All right, uh, Ryan. Oh, yeah, um, uh, my next one's Joel Gertner. I'm kidding, kidding. <laughs> he would have been a good number six. 16,412. Um, uh, I, I had to go Donnie's original. I had to go Master Fuji. Like, oh. he, like I, I just, you know, just I just loved everything about that guy. Like, like I, I like this more his powers of pain stuff because you actually heard him talk. I mean, when he was managing Yokozuna, they had like James E. Cornette go out there and just you know, like yell his head off for 10 minutes. But, like, I just, you know, like, like, like his whole thing, like, like, when he switched and, like, you know, like, what he did single-handedly turned the powers of pain heel and demolition face at the same time. Like, like manager like that had that kind of influence, and, like, I, I just like seeing him come out there with those guys because, let's be, be honest, without him, I don't think any of those tag teams would have, like, been as good. Like, especially Crush on his, like, fourth or 15,000 gimmick. Like, he helped, he helped Crush, you know, for the time being. So anybody can help Crush be... A decent character, you got to put him up there somewhere. Yep, give me somewhere in the card. Uh, Donnie, what was your number two? Uh, number two is uh, one that already has been mentioned by Brian, and that's uh, Sensational Sherry, old Sherry Martell. Um, instrumental in the careers of Randy Savage, uh, Jake Snake, and Shawn Michaels. I don't think that Shawn Michaels would be who he is today or who he ended up being if it wasn't for her getting him over so much as a heel. Holy crap. And when she used to throw her boot into the ring for other people to hit, you know, and then throw it out, like, oh my god, I couldn't understand. I was a kid and I was so angry. <laughs> you know, like, that winch. Uh, and it just is a testament to, to her ability. Uh, she, was, she was fantastic and everybody that she re- um, represented was better for it. Harlem Heat and all that. And, you know, it was a sore loss uh, when, when she lost her life early. Um, and, uh, 
you know, because I think even today she could have a role. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, her mark on wrestling is unmistakable, and uh, she remains absolutely my favorite female in wrestling and uh, one of my favorite managers. Hey, I, I hate to say this, and I apologize for nothing, but like, I feel like, like her death, like God rest her soul, but it had a lot to do with the ending of the Benoit tragedy to that god awful McMahon limousine death angle that they were doing. Uh-huh. Because, like, he faked his death, and then Benoit has this thing, and then Sh- Sherry dies. You're like, you know what? Too much bad juju is coming from this. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, to be honest with you, Benoit did send me back from Washington Wrestling for many a year, so. Yes, he did. Because, um, yeah, that was, that was damn sad. But that's not part of the list anymore. Um, we'll go with my number two, uh, which is actually Donnie's number three, Paul Heyman. Mm. Um, definitely a Paul Heyman guy. That guy gets me excited. Um I mean, mostly I've seen him as a manager, uh, Brock Lesnar, CM Punk, uh, Curtis Axel Ryback, um, Cesaro, um, and he, he's one of the best workers on the mic I've ever seen, uh, even recently when he's just been going off on how Brock Lesnar beat the streak, I and mean, Brock Lesnar's not even there, but you can feel his presence in the room because Paul Heyman's talking about it, that's how good of a manager he is, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that they're giving him multiple guys, too, to work with, I think is phenomenal, um, and, uh, I think he could really be doing this for another 20 years because um, he's just that damn good uh, at what he does. So, uh, Brian, what was your number two? Oh, man, I just realized the whole the genius was a stupid pick. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, to tell you the truth, um, my number two uh, is Paul Bear. Oh, yeah, yeah. We yeah. We Paul Bear, didn't we? It was, it was actually put my proto list. He'd probably be the number six. Yeah, I, 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 I was, like, you know, I was against putting him on there at first, but then I was like, you know, with honestly, without him, I don't think Undertaker would have got as good a start as he did. And then, you know, he also had Kane, Vader, Mankind, like, I mean, just, like, all, like, that stable alone, like, a stable of guys right there, it's fantastic. Like, you can't, you can't beat it. Like, I, I single-handedly, I think, without him, like I said, Undertaker would not be where he is today because he wouldn't, have had that mouthpiece to go along with him to start his career off. And then, like, when he turned bad and, like, went with Kane and went with Mankind, like, you just paid the guy so much. Like, I love Paul Bear. Yeah, he was, he was definitely good, man. He would have, yeah, he should have been on my list, too, if we had, like, another ten more guys to use, unfortunately. Uh, Donnie, who was your number one? And, actually, I think I'm going to be... I think we're all going to have the same number one. So, Donnie, you just go first. Well, I will say that, uh, that, that, uh... He just missed the cut Paul Bear did for me. Like he was one of those like number six or seven. Um, number one is uh, Jim Cornette. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just Whoa. kidding. He was actually my most hated person in wrestling. I'll get into that another day. Uh, cannot stand him. Bobby Heenan though. I, he's the brain. He, he's. I I don't even know. Like I don't know how to to put into words how much he means to wrestling. Uh, both as a manager, as a commentator, as, as everything. Like, he's the best ever. Uh, in his mic work, in his ability to get physical with the ring, he, I mean, he let, um, he let Ultimate Warrior drop on his head how many times? <laughs> uh, he got bit by a dog, <laughs> you know. Put I mean, the was, suit on? Yeah, he put the, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and uh, between, like, his whole interplay with Andre the Giant through the years, I, I thought was brilliant. Um, and he was just, uh, the Heenan family remains, uh, I think, one of the trailblazing, besides the Four Horsemen, one of the trailblazing stables of all time, uh, and it all has to do with his genius uh, and their ability to 
interact with the crowd and uh, interact on the microphone. This is fantastic. An A++ talent and deserving of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, definitely Bobby the Brain Heenan, um, man, he was so good as a commentator and just as a person, but as a manager, he made the crowd really hate him. And, of course, he's my number one, too, by the way, um, in case you haven't figured that out. Yeah, he was just such a, a guy who did whatever it takes to make everybody hate him, but also gave you the payoff of making him look like an idiot at the end, too. So he was probably, probably wrestling's one of the greatest villains, uh, especially during the 80s and 90s, uh, during his heyday. And, man, he just loved to hate the guy. Um, so you really can't, you just can't say enough about his ability. Brian, did you also pick the same guy? Uh, actually, I, I, I went with Lita. I'm kidding, kidding, kidding. Well, that's not a bad pick. No. Um, I mean, flight number 10. But I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull an audible and put the tie, because I can't leave Heyman off my list. So, I'm going Heyman and Heenan, because, like, I honestly feel like, you know, different generations, different times, but just as big of impact. I mean, without Heenan... I don't think Mr. Perfect would have been as good of an uh, IC champ. Same thing for Rick Rude. Who, by the way, I'm pretty sure is like the only guy besides Sergeant Slaughter to ever beat the Warrior. I'm not 100% on that, but... Um, you could be right. Yeah, so without, you know, Heenan, like, you wouldn't have had, like, Andre the Giant Haku. You wouldn't have had, like, King Kong Bundy. I think he was, like, Big John Studs manager for, like, WrestleMania 1 or 2 or uh, something. I think you're right with that. We took on Andre, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, without him helping Andre's heel turn for WrestleMania 3, I don't think the match would have been, would have been as well. Yeah. But then you change the dynamic to, to Heyman, who, honestly, without him, Lesnar wouldn't have been as good at, at any point in his career. And he he single-handedly extended CM Punk's title run by a good four or five months when it, it could have, probably should have ended sooner. You know, so, like, his mic work, both their mic work, is, like, fantastic. And with Heenan... Like, him and Gorilla were, like, my favorite commentators, like, together. Like, I couldn't get enough of those guys, you know. And let's not forget when he had his, uh, his run-in with Doink the Clown. Who can forget that classic piece of wrestling history, of course. But I, I can't, I couldn't leave them, keep both of them off because, you know, the genius is that important. But I, I just, uh, those two, like, set the bar. I, I'm, I, I can't really, I don't want to put one over the other because I feel like, like, either would have been good in any time. So you could have put Heenan... Today, you could have put Heyman then, and I think he, they would have done just as well. Yeah. Definitely. I agree. Wow. Okay, so uh, definitely good lists of uh, from almost the same guys, pretty much. When you go with managers, it's kind of hard to not have those guys in there. So, so other than, like, Paul Bear um, and, uh, like, Islander Lee was mentioned, is there anything, like, you guys just wanted to give an honorable mention to? Um, Rikishi. Oh. No, okay. no, I mean, Kim, kimchi, kimchi, who manages uh, the Uganda giant. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's, <laughs> what about Armando Alejandro Estrada? I mean. oh. oh, yeah. Or Rico. Vicky um, Castro. Oh, God. Sonny? <laughs> Actually, Sonny would probably go in there, too. Sonny was, was really good. Um, Davari. Oh, God, Davari. Muhammad Hassan? Come on, man. Uh, man. Anyway. So I believe it's my turn to pick our, our list for next week. Uh-huh. Um, so next week we're going to do um, top, five, top five wrestling personalities who deserve, deserve a punch in the face. Um, it oh, wow. For any reason, um, I'm thinking mostly <laughs> for cave fave reasons, so uh, I think Jim Cornette might be in your, your list there, uh, Donnie. Uh, he's he's, he's going to be a hard n- to top. Right, but, but if you got to give a punch in the face, you got to say why. 
Okay. Um, so it could be anybody in wrestling, anybody who's touched wrestling, any celebrity has appeared in wrestling, um, but they have to deserve a punch in the face, and it's got to be worth it. Um, so it, it has to be well explained. Mm. Awesome. So my one through five couldn't be John Cena, right? Uh, you I'm, have kidding. To get... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. As long as you gave five good reasons to punch him in the face five times. I mean, I got five. The five knuckle shuffle. What? I'm sorry. Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so that concludes it for this week's episode. Oh, crap, we don't have a pay-per-view to uh, do next week, do we? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, no, we don't want to in your houses or something. Yeah, well, we just want to do, like, the two in your houses after WrestleMania. That's fine. Um, so we continue on our Attitude Era retrospective and uh-huh. slowly march down to uh, Survivor Series 97 and the sure. Montreal Screwjob. That was uh, a lie. I know when we do the, uh, like, we're supposed to do, like, a WCW one. I think we should flip it to an ECW one just oh. for yeah, I think we should do that. I'd be one fine too. with that. Because um, yeah. ECW started to do pay per views in the '97 too. I think around that same range. So that, that would be fun because ECW is, is fun to go back and watch. Not as as good as I remember it, but still pretty fun. To be uh, fair, like if if I, I feel like I should donate money to WWE because if you ever watch the ECW pay per views, none of the music that was originally there it's it's all like dubbed over like cheesy like. I don't know what it is. It's like elevator music. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Actually, speaking of which, did anybody notice in WrestleMania 19, Hulk Hogan came out to some really weird music on that, uh, the... Uh-huh. The, uh-huh. I like they, uh, they couldn't afford... Yeah, like, they were trying to go for, like, a uh, voodoo child, but they couldn't afford the rights, so they just put in, like, some crap music. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I think I could make better music than that. Barely. Yeah, well, I think my ass could probably make better music than that. Hey. So, uh, anyway, so that concludes our, uh... Well, podcast. Yeah, I was going to say we we haven't talked about Warrior yet. If you oh, want to, oh yeah, Warrior. Let um, me go on about him at the beginning. We did go on about him a little bit in the beginning. Uh, well, maybe next week we'll do our, our right. Ultimate Warrior tribute right. too. Yeah, let's, I mean, let's, 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 let's just let's just favorite match of Warrior all time or something next week. Uh, he deserves at least a little piece. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because um, yeah, he was a big part of my my early uh, childhood. Uh, I still have his wrestling buddy in my closet right now. He's, he, I think Warrior's going to take this, this podcast and, you know, take, turn it into a nosedive. Hulk Hogan. Sorry. That was my favorite promo ever. Like, of his. Uh, cockpit doors. I'm done. Hogan. Uh, Assume the controls. Hulk Hogan. All right, we're off the rails. I think this is time. Yeah, I think this has gone too far. All right, so uh, for the... Make sure to your waitresses, sorry. <laughs> for your DB&J podcast, this is Turbuckle Jim. Chair shot, Donnie! Uh, fast count, Brian. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Hopefully! Yeah.